Hi there, hope you're having a great day. I'm Dion, creative coordinator for University of the Underground and Nelly Benahan Studios. I'm just here to introduce this lovely podcast created by Zoe and Ali as part of the Moon Orchestra Whistleblowing Residency, a two-month program calling for an investigation into whistleblowing as a political action, but also an instrument and language. As part of this practice-based residency, students unraveled the relationships between nation-states, music, political action, and displacement. Moon Orchestra was composed of unique multidisciplinary creatives and musicians who joined Moon Convoy and toured with Tour de Moon around England during May and June of 2022. Moon Orchestra members put together a series of experiences and creative interventions involving political theory and musical practice, with this podcast being one of them. I hope you enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Hello, hello. It's your boy King Ali alongside Zoe. And we are going to give you the content of your life with the likes of Imposter Syndrome, Collaboration, Mermaids. Even a bit of music to mellow you down. So please sit back, relax, sit in your sofa with a bit of popcorn and enjoy the show. Woo! What really fascinated me about going to see Archie the Giant Squid in the tank room at the Natural History Museum was to see the giant case that Archie was in preserved, but also the fact that he was surrounded. He was surrounded by other, by other species, all in glass jars. The Natural History Museum is born off this like idea that you're taking something from its natural habitat and analysing it and describe giving its like main traits and name and description and, and saying all creatures with these certain features belong in this box. Picture this, a room filled with glass jars, stacked, filling shelves upon shelves, much like a library, a scientific title reigning over each category, a short description explains each section like an allegory, named and protected by Pyrex forever, Pyrex treasure. Here lies the rat, here lies the squid, here lies the eagle in the cathedral of creation. Each one is known, sliced and diced, a timeless prize captured for safekeeping, baptised for hell's weeping, man-made in the image of God. No room in the inn for other beings existing in between Noah's Ark and the shore. Damn the devil and all its creatures! Sinning sirens, singing sirens, mermaids murmuring magic. Ha! This mermaid in your dreams, slithering with serpents, stealing holy truths. Escape, 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 escape. I think they said that was the only one in the museum, isn't it? The only giant squid. Yeah, the only giant squid at the time, and there was so many different sea creatures, and apparently they said there's so much more that we haven't discovered yet. What fascinates me about the deep ocean is that there's so much unknown and so much out there undiscovered and probably never to be discovered. Imagine how many creatures might have these invisibility DNA strands, these, invis- these invisibility Truthfully, genes. if that statement's true, I believe um, even your mermaids could be there and can never be discovered. Even mermaids could be there. That's what I'm saying. Who's to say they're not invisible? Who's to say mermaids are even from this world? Mm.
Where have you ever heard of a mermaid before? Um, Disney. Disney, that a lot of my childhood on mermaid, Ariel was number one, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That and Spongebob, you know what I'm saying? I feel like there's a, if I mean, there's a pineapple on the sea, we will never discover that too. No, it'll be quite small, won't it? It will be. <laughs> what about um, mermaids in mythology? Have you come across those often? No, because, like, um, like I say, like I, I come about stuff like this, more fictional, like um, stories to me, so I don't really believe in such. It's only when I met you and you explaining your concept is how I understood it in in a way you'd understand it. But normally in my life, I will, I will not come across it in such in such a way. Would you ever come across... Um, um, yeah, myths, like... I mean, myths are there, stories. like, that's what I said, then. it's like stories, you know, you get... Not necessarily there for you to believe, but for just for you to 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 read and interpret in your own way. Exactly. Or to act as a messenger or a, a warner. Sometimes mermaids are protectors, mm-hmm. creators. Sometimes they're witches and they're evil. And I, and I think that there's a lot of, like, infliction of... Good and bad. We can't categorize mermaids as such one beings if you're you're talking about that. But different races, there could be different races of mermaids if you know what I mean. So if you're looking in that angle, there could be so many different. And who used to say in the Brazil mermaids are the same as the uh, the ones that are under the sea in the London in London, like as if well, they are under the sea. Not. I, mean, I mean, we still I haven't suppose. found Bessie the Loch Ness monster. Ha ha ha. I just wanted to know because um, it's sort of in the lines when you was explaining it to me personally, it relates to imposter syndrome and that. Would you want to shed um, lights to our viewers on more of your project with the mermaid situation? Yeah, my mermaid project and um, how my mermaid project relates to imposter syndrome is interesting question because each different person looking at mermaids will have a, their own vision inflicted on on the mermaid. So, um, if I picture a mermaid, it's going to look very different from you picturing a mermaid. And if you picture a mermaid, you're going to see something that's related to your own background and your own upbringing and your own, like, references. And somebody else is going to see something different and everybody's going to have their own depiction of what a mermaid is. Interesting, because the way I look at imposter syndrome is like um, each each person has their own box but um, you can really bounce off people's boxes if you believe in it you know what I'm saying like so I could be in an individual box but there's no reason for me to enter another box sort of thing what would you say on that like well I think like boxing people and putting people into putting people into categories is like stereotyping or labeling and being a mermaid is completely the opposite of, of boxing and categorization, as you would call it. When the violence leads to the 
How do you think sports and teamwork relate to music? Well, um, well, you know, as a coach, yeah, um, yeah, man, teamwork really gets the game done because without a good collaboration of teamwork, you you might end up failing a game like a game of football. And to have a solid game plan is to build a good um, communication barrier with the team and the teamwork within your souls and the belief of getting that job done and the job if the job was there to win you get the win so i guess all of that relates to the orchestra how do you see teamwork being played in the orchestra in the orchestra like football you get a striker midfielder and a defender in the orchestra especially the uh, the moon orchestra um we would have people that are on the rock side and we have people that can just do vocals, people that are knowledgeable on the loop pedal, curators, f um, okay, guitarists. We've got a lot of different varieties. And, and yeah. Like bass section, rhythm section, yeah, like, percussion. And all of that come to play as in if we didn't work together, understand each other, understand our methods and come together with a game plan. And the game plan is to perform in the environment we got given then we wouldn't have got the solid win. Uh, we wouldn't have um, 
regenerated every time better than the last time because all of this come to like in a game after the game you'll speak or half time you'll speak before the next game you'll speak on your losses and the wins and what you could do better and I guess working on your losses as a team instead of thinking it's an indiv- just an individual thing of course everyone has an individual loss but as in a team it's a collective if you bleed I bleed we all are one unit one family so to my musical practice. Uh, I play the cello and I also play saxophone. And I played the cello since I was seven, played saxophone since I was 16, and now I'm 23. So it's been like, it's been quite a few years, especially with my cello, that I've really been with. She's called Chloe, um, and we have quite a good relationship, even though for a lot of my childhood and a lot of my years playing, cello I, I didn't practice and I would show up to my cello lessons and I hadn't really practiced anything and I would just would you go there and improvise I would go there and, and improvise and act, the, like, act like you know it but really and truly haven't really rehearsed it yeah yeah exactly so really I haven't I haven't really gone over the things and I'm just playing it like how I would be and yeah, I guess you could say that my cello teacher felt like my progress was slow. But I also think that if I was to play the cello how I would naturally want to play, if I wanted to express myself. So if we talk about um, our instruments as voices, then my cello is really my voice. The sounds that my cello makes is, is, is really my voice that I want to express. And with my, with my musical education in the past, I've really been taught to copy music when you're taught it in an educational way, like in the Western musical classes that people take, and friends that I know who have gone to university to study music. The, the way that it's taught really seems to beat out any sense of creativity or individuality from the, from the practice of playing music because you're, because you're told to, to copy what a, a composer has written. When I played cello I played a lot of Bach and Bach was, was around quite a long time ago and for, for me and every other classical cello player to be constantly copying the same songs over and over and actually being critiqued for playing it wrong or slightly different or for putting your own interpretation on the way that the notes are played it creates yeah we're really just told like that's wrong play it how it was written that's not how it was supposed to be 
and and then I came out of school and I stopped having cello lessons and I really just didn't know where to go forward with my musical practice because I didn't really want to practice the classical music anymore. Even if I played like avant-garde neoclassical music, I would just be a bit stuck because I'm just still repeating off a score what's, what I should play. And I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a composer, but I would like to think that I can express myself through my instrument. And spending time with the orchestra um, throughout this six-week tour that we did, um, we really had the chance to um, to reach to reach out and and like and proper put your creativity yeah, into practice and put my own voice into my practice rather than what somebody else wants me to play into my practice. Like it's it's coming it's coming from a place inside of me, coming from a form of expression. And yeah, I was told quite a few times on the days where I performed, where I was especially, maybe I was in a bad mood or I was annoyed about something or I was feeling sad about something. Those days I would be much more able to focus on my music.
listening to is a little um, experimentation with um, Zoe, V and Lay, where we got together in a rehearsal and and played around with the loop pedal and making different experiments with making different sounds, making different like sound bites to listen to back to. Understand the feeling that you're feeling without necessarily sharing it with the world. Like, don't not without holding it inside of you because you don't want to hold these feelings inside of you too much. That's that brings out all sorts of new feelings. But to then release it in a in a way which is channeled into something, yeah, creative or what sport sport related. Yeah, I mean. It, that, that is part of a, a way of being an imposter syndrome. Um, it's understanding um, what you do personally, like where you're at in life, and understanding what where where what you want to be at in life, and what it relates to what you do currently, and how you can work and navigate from there. And that's when I found out that okay, maybe in my physical body, because obviously sports you use your legs or football hands sometimes in different aspects of sports even the gym, gym fitness and well-being but I, I'd never used one thing and that's my voice so I learned to project my voice into ways where I didn't realize that I had the potential and it was all because of understanding the balance of the energy that I had which I like to release through these sports events event, event, yeah yeah that word 
uh, within sports and I use that to channel that energy into create a good um, uh, vibe sort of uh, environment. You had, um, you had quite a magical moment during the tour one day, um, so V had, was using, V had a poem about improvisation and um, you were still at this point trying to figure out exactly where your where your place, like what kind of part you wanted to play in the orchestra's set. Um, everybody had like a leading role for a few minutes during the hour-long set, and and V was making a poem and using the loop pedal, and every time it would be slightly different. Initially, I wanted to work with her into projecting that because I. Like that poem touched me, but um, I felt like it just needed a little space for the audience so they can understand it how I understood it. So I, I wanted to initially work with her. That was my initial plan where we have like a couple lines with each other back to back. And it ended up being where V said, you know what, Adi, I found you, your instrument more energetic. Yeah, whereas I just want to be more of the doing the loop pedal and the sounds and then we see where what happens from there and the whole set over there was improvised so everything was like the poem was written but like there like I would read a bit of the poem but improvise some words as well so not every day in this in the in the event where I recited the poem was always the same because everything was how I felt on that day and what I gave out is what I felt. Improvisation is like being loose in the present, in between moon and sun, night and day, in between new circles, warding of death. Improvisational change to the everlasting constant. Improvisation is about truth changing over time. Figuring it out is okay. Because we're all going through things. But figuring it out.
For me, improvisation is really when you you are are not necessarily coming with a with a clear plan where everything's planned out, but you sort of like every step you you then are able to reevaluate, maybe go with the flow, but you're also able to step back and just to look at your options before you go forward. And there we have it, our podcast. Thanks for listening, people. I hope you were heard and received greatly. And we hope you have a lovely rest of your day, week, year, and lives. Enjoy, and thank you for Tordemun University of Underground, Nelly and the team. And all the support we've had from everybody, Aditi. Andrew as well, don't forget Andrew. <laughs> uh, Zoe's just having a little happy, happy little moment. Little giggle. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, ciao. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. 
Be sure to check out the other podcasts created as a part of the Whistleblowing Residency on the University of the Underground SoundCloud under the playlist name Moon Orchestra. Of course, you can also check out the University of the Underground website and just give it all a cheeky gander. Have a brilliant day. Goodbye. <laughs>